Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Today, Bayern break down Bremen, Dortmund hammer Wolfsburg for six, Leipzig lick Freiburg a second time in four days, and the King Thomas I coronation at the Royal Blues is edging closer. All of this and more in this week's edition of Beer and Honey. Hello, dear listener. I'm Raphael Honigstein. And I'm Christoph Biermann. And we welcome you to another edition of the Beer and Honey Football Pod. The Beer and Honey Football Pod, as you know, is free, but it couldn't exist without the support of our members. So if you're not already part of the Members Club, please consider supporting us. Uh, join the Members Club even better if you want. Become an ultra. Beer and Honey Ultra. Sign up for a whole season and get a mug as a little token of our appreciation. Uh, Christoph, before we look back at match day 31, some rather interesting news coming out of Germany. An old friend of yours, not literally old, but uh, you've known him for a long time, might be the new sporting director at Liverpool. It's Jörg Schmadi Schmatke. What can you tell us about him? Yeah, he is a very experienced sport director who has been, I must say, successful wherever he has been working. Um, he started his career with Alemannia Aachen, who are now on the fourth level of German football. And some would say, um, because Jörg Schmatke left some time, um, he brought them up from the second division to the Bundesliga, led them to the German Cup final and to, to Europa. Um, He went on to Hanover 96, uh, always a very, very difficult uh, club to manage, uh, and led them to uh, Europa again. And uh, he did the same with FC Cologne. Some, some um, Arsenal supporters might remember um, how <laughs> Cologne took over the Emirates uh, some years ago. And at that time, uh, Jörg Schmatke was a sporting director there. And then he went on to Wolfsburg. And uh, Wolfsburg, who were massively underachievers at that time, uh, and he led them to uh, the Champions League. So he has a very impressive uh, track record. He is very good in... Actually, he's very good in... In sporting, he's good in, in putting together teams, um, squads. He's a very, very shrewd squad uh, planner. He has a very good eye for center forwards, actually. Um, I think it's a kind of specialty um, of him. On the other side, uh, to be fair, uh, he tends to fall out with people. So... Um, Uh, with coaches, with other people at the club. And so, so he is not an easy uh, guy to get along with. I mean, he is very funny, actually. Um, he is, as I said, shrewd and also intelligent. And um, so, um, yeah, but it, it, as you said, it, uh, it's, it comes as a surprise because he, um, um, he retired 
um, some month ago and said he was fed up with football and now he would uh, spend time with his wife and he has an house in in Ibiza and I, what he wanted to hang around there more and um, so he was a boss with everything concerned um, sports um, so he was a boss of the manager he was a boss of the youth department and, and so on what would his role be at Liverpool what, what, what do you think well I don't think he'll be in charge of the whole club <laughs> I think it'll be a different dynamic. It seems to me that he'll be working very much alongside or perhaps underneath Jurgen Klopp, which is a different dynamic that we tend to have in the Bundesliga, where, as you said, the sporting directors are this uh, are these all-powerful figures who talk to the media, who uh, are the face of the club. Uh, it's a different setup in the Premier League, even though sporting directors are becoming more influential. They tend to do their work behind the scenes, and in the shadows almost. And that's going to be a, an, a new situation for him. He was always very outspoken, uh, sometimes to the detriment of uh, the coaches who we work with. And I think that's one of the reasons, because of his huge public persona, that a lot of people in Germany thought, really? Dirk Schmatke working for Liverpool, it doesn't sound immediately like the most obvious solution. But as you said, um, I think there is a strong suggestion that he is actually uh, a much more yeah, rounded character than the public persona he, he tends to uh, adopt to maybe scare scare people. Uh, always in a bad mood and always sort of saying, he likes to be the grumpy man or like to be the grumpy man of, of German football. But actually, as I said, he is, uh, he, uh, uh, not, he, not always, but he can be very funny, very ironic. So I, I think um, people in England should like him. Um, he, he is a kind of guy uh, that that is very likable if you like characters. Hmm. And if we ever hear from him, that's uh, still to be decided, I think, or still to be still to be seen how much of a public role he will play. My 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 guess is not not much really. I don't think there's room in Liverpool for another <laughs> very outspoken German. Uh, but maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. It should be very very interesting. Uh, just one final thing before we move on, Christoph. Um, you said he has a good eye for centre forwards. Uh, one of the last big things he did in the job is to sell Victor Osiman. Yeah. <laughs> for <laughs> for 3.5 million euros to Charles Roy, who then sold him on for 22 million euros four weeks later. Um, now he's admitted it wasn't the smartest move and uh, Ossiman was injured a lot at the time and he was advised by the people who work with the player that he's not good enough. But still, do you think from everything he's done and you know him really well that somebody who finds the right players for clubs of the level of Köln, Wolfsburg, Aachen and Hannover can also identify players that will help Liverpool? Or is that still a big jump? No, I don't think it's, it, uh, it should be a problem because um, um, it, uh, you have to look for quality. 
and um, you just look in other parts of the market. And and I think he uh, he's not the guy who only knows uh, middle class football. I mean, he has been working, as I said, with Wolfsburg, led them to the um, to the Champions League, and um, <clears throat> and and so he knows Champions League level, and so. I don't have any doubts that he would be able to do it. Okay, let's uh, watch this space. I'm sure it's going to be very, very exciting. But just as exciting is, of course, the title race, which is still very much alive, uh, Christoph. We saw both Bayern and Dortmund win in slightly different fashion. Uh, first, uh, Bayern on Saturday Evening, they won two one at Bremen. Let's start with with the league leaders. Uh, two goals uh, for once. We haven't seen that many goals from Bayern recently. Serge Gnabry once again with the opener, and then Leroy Sané with a very nice goal uh, right at the back. Um, Schmidt with one of those Sonntagsschüsse. Yeah. I think we had that in learning Fußball Deutsch a while ago. Uh, a wonder goal, uh, the kind of shot that only goes in once in a blue moon. Or if Jan Sommer is in goal, uh, depending Ooh. on depending on how you see things. Um, what did you make of Bayern? Um, I think it was a more than solid performance uh, they were showing. But after this wonder goal, this Sonntagsschuss, um, I mean, I think it was five minutes from time or so, you could already see how nervous they got. So um, until then, they played well, not fantastic, but played well, controlled the game, had nice combination, had some goal chances and, and so on. But immediately afterwards, you, 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 could, you could, could almost grab it with your hands how, how nervous they got. And um, fortunately for them, um, this goal didn't come earlier because um, there probably would have been a chance uh, to blew it. But um, so um, uh, mixed signals from Bayern here. So they are able to produce a decent performance. I think it was a compared to to the game uh, against Hertha, it was a step forward. But but still, um, there is an inbuilt. Um, how can I say that? Is it uh, they 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 probably don't trust themselves as much as you would expect from a Bayern team? Yeah, that that's been a theme throughout the season. There were signs, as you say, as far as mixed signals is concerned, that maybe they're getting closer to trusting themselves once again. They played with a degree of control. They dominated. It was uh, quite. Composed, I thought, the performance. They had a few chances. Once again, things kind of break down in the final third. Uh, some really good passing, but then the, the final ball doesn't quite come off and uh, things um, don't really gel. There's not that fluidity. But uh, the two goals were very, very good, especially the second one, where I think Thomas Tuchel's training regime actually came to the fore because he did that thing, uh, Christopher Bayern, that he started with at Mainz and Dortmund, where he cut off the corners in the training pitch. 
<laughs> forcing players to make diagonal runs towards the goal. And that's exactly the run that Leroy Sané makes. He was very modest afterwards. Tuchel didn't want to talk about it when Archie Wintour asked him uh, on ESPN. But uh, you could see, you could see that that's the kind of goal that he he would have really enjoyed. I think this kind of training regime, I, I, I think it was invented by, was it invented by Ralf Rangnick or probably even by Volker Finke? So, I don't um, know. I think probably by Volker Finke, the, uh, the great uh, Freiburg coach who, who brought them up on the second division and led them for, for, for many, many years in the Bundesliga, uh, held them for many years in the Bundesliga. But that's a, a, a typical German coaches, managers thing to, to work like this. Yeah, cu cutting corners, uh, which is usually not, not a great thing to do, uh, can, can actually work. But it's enough of Bayern. Um, a much more impressive scoreline, if not performance, by their rivals and the designated Bayern Jäger for the season. And this, this year, it really is a hunt. Uh, breathing down Bayern's neck, Borussia Dortmund on Sunday night crushed, destroyed, hammered Faufel Wolfsburg. A Wolfsburg side who tend to be quite solid under Niko Kovac defensively, but it was just one-way traffic. Um, Borussia Dortmund, the most impressive performance of the season? Yeah, probably so. I mean, it was 6-0. Could have been 7-0 because Karim Adeyemi um, shot a penalty over the bar and uh, it could have been his uh, hat-trick for him. A fantastic performance by Adeyemi, but but an overall fantastic performance by um, by uh, Borussia Dortmund. A bit helped by the way how Wolfsburg defended. They defended very high up, but they um, weren't able to put enough pressure on the on the players who were who were distributing the ball. So. There were loads of opportunities for, for, for Borussia, but they, they looked terrific. Uh, it was sheer excitement in the Westfalenstadion, uh, great atmosphere. Isn't it called the Signal Iduna Park, Christoph? Not by us, ah, by us conservatives. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we tell the, briefly the story about, of, about this uh, struggle uh, between uh, Borussia Dortmund supporters and the sponsor? I think we should. Uh, Yeah, um, so they, um, I think, two, last home game or one of the last home games, the, um, uh, the Yellow Wall put, put up a banner saying uh, Forever Westfalenstadion because that's the original name of, of the uh, club. And, um, and then the sponsor, Signal Iduna, it's an insurance company, um, they, um, they were angry and <laughs> about it uh, because they had the feeling that this kind of banner was supported by the club in a way and, and criticized them. And uh, so some of the supporters were um, going to the um, headquarter of the of Signali Duna and put up banners there. So a very funny little incident. Um, um, <clears throat> but yes, um, 
the yellow wall was ecstatic. Um, everybody is happy. So it, it was this kind of feeling: yes, we, we we can do it. We can we can actually win it. But I, I mean, we we've seen some great home. Uh, performances by Borussia Dortmund uh, this season. I mean, I, I told you I was there when they destroyed Cologne uh, 6-1, also a uh, difficult team to beat normally, so they are able to do it. But the question remains, uh, can they do it away from home? And um, so um, I think um, they are not allowed to drop any point to the end of the season if they um, want to win it and then they have they would have a chance because um, Bayern still has to play RB Leipzig so um, but they they have to better their home performance uh, their away performance when they travel to Augsburg in two weeks yeah but first they they face uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach the uh, team of uh, producer York, who I don't think is particularly confident about this trip from Borussia, although recently maybe one or two signs that they're not totally have written off the season just yet. Um, home game for Bayern also against Schalke, more of which in a second, because Schalke had a very big week. But uh, if we continue in the top places, it was a big week, uh, as Timo Werner said, for Leipzig, because they won one nil at Freiburg, which is no mean feat. As we know, Freiburg very strong at home. But more importantly, at the same time, Union lost at Augsburg, which means that Leipzig are back in third for well, the first time in many weeks. They've been out of the top four now for, for a good few months. At least that's how it feels. Uh, Leipzig, uh, Christoph, with that 1-0 at Freiburg after beating Freiburg also in the cup, of course, to get into the uh, cup final. They're sort of back. They're kind of playing the Leipzig stuff that we've been missing a little bit throughout the season, finally. Yeah. I mean, if you look at both uh, games, terrific performances by RB Leipzig, especially the cup game was just wow. I mean, they blew um, Freiburg away, winning 4-1. And um, so it, I think probably their best performance in the season and very, very good. And and we, um, <laughs> I think I have to, to, to excuse uh, uh, myself to uh, Marco Rose having some doubts about him, uh, that over the time teams uh, um, coached by him lose some energy or stuff like this. Uh, you can uh, throw this all in the bin because I think maybe we've underrated or overseen that important players have been missing for for um, uh, RB Leipzig uh, for quite a while. I mean, uh, we talked about Nkunku, but especially Dani Olmo, who was also out for, for some weeks. And Olmo especially... Especially in the cup game, he, he he was like wow. He was he, he he was looking like a player who could play for the best teams uh, in Europe, and um, and uh, so um, my feeling right now, <clears throat> although uh, Borussia Dortmund played so well against uh, um, uh, Wolfsburg, 
Um, we've been talking about Leverkusen as uh, in recent week as the inform uh, team. Uh, I think uh, this is now uh, RB Leipzig because um, yes, these two two games at, at Freiburg were very impressive. And you said it; it's very very difficult to win there, and um, and and they did it in very convincingly. Um, and yeah, great. Uh, well, what happened to Union? What happened to Union? They lost at Augsburg. Augsburg hadn't won in seven games. And just when, well, I don't want to say when they needed it most, because every every point, every win is important, uh, they again faltered a little bit. Uh, are they running out of steam yet again? Um um, we also had this um, another fu uh, um, learning football Deutsch expression was Angstgegner and um, so um, bogey team. Augsburg, yeah, Augsburg is a bit the bogey team for for Union Berlin, and and I think that has to do um, because they are similar. Um, uh, the, the style they're playing, the intensity they bring onto the pitch, and so on. Um, it's always terrible games to watch. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> if you're the the, the uh, neutral football connoisseur, I can only advise you to uh, skip uh, Augsburg against Union Berlin uh, games. Um, and it was also like this: um, a solid performance by um, uh, Union for for quite a while. Then they conceded a goal where. Um, Jekyll was not defending properly, and that was it. And um, but but I, I wouldn't say that um, uh, Union is uh, running out of steam. And next weekend we have a, like a a a final um, between Union and Freiburg um, for the fourth spot in the. Champions League because I mean obviously Bayern and Dortmund get two and I think it's it's um, uh, Leipzig who will uh, take the third spot and uh, and and it will be between Union and and Freiburg and the interesting thing is there is a pretty rivalry between uh, these two teams not so much the, from the supporters or so but from coaches and 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 players and it has been very. It have been very heated affairs when the two meet, um, because um, uh, Christian Schreich especially, who tends to um, be very emotional sometimes, uh, Union was very often uh, uh, getting under the skin of, of, of Freiburg and especially uh, Christian Streich. Last season, uh, this season, we remember shortly before the winter break when um, when, life, uh, when Union was really getting uh, uh, losing their form. They lost uh, heavily in, in Freiburg. And um, so uh, that made Christian Streich very happy and everybody at Freiburg. And now... Uh, let's see. So this will be, if, if you want, pure energy and uh, um, um, but but probably not so nice football. I recommend you to watch the uh, Union against Freiburg uh, a game on Saturday. That will be yeah. That will be a battle. <laughs> okay, from that battle, 
that's going to be uh, quite interesting to see next week to uh, the Rhein Derby on Friday. It was put forward the game because of Leverkusen's travels to Rome in midweek. On Thursday, they're playing Roma in the semi-final of the Europa League. But first, they had to contend with Erster FC Köln. And Köln did what they love doing, which is to not just beat Leverkusen, but also finish that uh, wonderful consecutive run of 14 games unbeaten. Finally, finally, um, Leverkusen lost. And they lost courtesy of a double from Davy Selke. Uh, unlikely source of the goals, perhaps, but it was enough. And Leverkusen's hopes of qualifying for the Champions League via the league route Severely dented. Didn't I tell you about Davy Zerke? That I'm thinking that he, his form is is uh, getting better and probably um, uh, Stefan Baumgart uh, turns him into a proper centre forward. <laughs> Finally, um, after after many years, yeah. But that's um, it's a it's a uh, for Cologne. It's not the derby number one. That's the one against Borussia Mönchengladbach, which has more tradition, but but still is a it's a fierce derby. And you said it that it was put forward a day, caused a lot of anger in Cologne. I I didn't really understand, but they had the feeling they were because they have so far to travel. That's why it takes at least sort of twelve minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, so, but but uh, they felt they weren't uh, properly consulted, and and it, an interesting twist is um, uh, the interior minister of of the uh, federal state of North Rhine-Westfalen, North Rhine-Westphalia, uh, he uh, Herbert Roll, he is a uh, Bayer Leverkusen um, uh, supporter. He, I think, he is even a season ticket. And he is a man who has to allow this or, 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 or give a hint to the police forces because it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a question um, if the police um, can police a game like this on a Friday evening. And um, so, so there were, was a lot of upheaval before, before this uh, game. And, um, and, and I think they, uh, that made the victory even sweeter for for Cologne and um, and yes it 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 means that um, these games um, against um, Roma have become more important for um, Bayer Leverkusen for sure yeah Leverkusen domestically it's going to be difficult for them they are in Europa Conference League place at the moment but the Europa League and Champions League places look a little bit beyond them this year so they need to win that cup to make it into the Champions League next season. I think international games might take might take precedent in the next uh, few weeks. But literally every game had something riding on it uh, this weekend. And TSG Hoffenheim against Frankfurt, I think, is where we have to go next. Hoffenheim with a huge win, 3-1 against Frankfurt. Hoffenheim now with a bit of breathing space, four points clear of the relegation playoff spot and of the 17th spot. Uh, goes from Baumgartner, uh, Kramaric and Bebu. For Frankfurt, it was uh, Mario Götze. 
when Frankfurt were one man up, but one coach down in the second half because Oliver <laughs> Glasner was sent off for kicking the ball onto the pitch, which apparently is an immediate uh, sending off. I wasn't aware of that. But that's how the, the referee explained it later. But the game itself, uh, not as memorable perhaps as the outburst from Oliver Glasner, who's not known as being particularly loud and outspoken, at least not in public. He kind of lost it a little bit with uh, one journalist who asked him, uh, is this a sign here yet again that the team perhaps don't realize how how big a game this was, you know, with a big chance to to move up in the table. And he went, I don't want to say ballistic, but he basically went for the guy saying, I can't hear this anymore, all this talk about mentality. My players run their socks off. The old guy, Hasebe, he's got blood in his urine. He's running so much. <laughs> uh, interesting expression, but anyway... Um, Maybe Azebe should consult a, a doctor because urologist, I, I yeah, it, should have yeah, that have that checked out for sure. Uh, that's not healthy. But um, some clever people, Christoph, um, that I read were saying this is really just a cry for help in a way because Glasner has been talking about a lack of options and lack of freshness in the squad all along. They had to play in uh, Europe, of course, uh, in the Champions League and. The league form has suffered as a result. And maybe by defending his team and saying how much they're working and how tough it is for them, he was also kind of making the point that they could have done with, with more help. Um, so perhaps it was actually not so emotional and quite calculated. What did you think? Um, I, I think it was also calculated. I, I think it was a mix and, um, but we we have to um, uh, to remind our li listeners that um, uh, uh, Frankfurt had a, a game during the week, a very important one. They won the um, uh, semi-final of the German Cup away in Stuttgart, and they showed a, a great performance in the second half, turning the the game round and uh, looking like the old Frankfurt. And I think. Also, in this context, it was a bit unfair to to question their willpower, uh, their mentality, and so on. And so, so in this respect, I understand that the the outburst. Um, but you're right. I think there is an ongoing discussion at, at within uh, Frankfurt, also between Markus Krösche and and Oliver Gal uh, Markus Krösche being the sports director about the quality of the squad we already discussed, uh, the quality especially of the defense line. Um, and uh, I think that's the main concern by um, Glasner, saying that uh, his um, the quality of his defenders are not up to the um, to what what um, what, what they, the the club wants. They want to to to, to uh, at least qualify for Europe, but probably qualify for the Champions League, develop uh, Eintracht into a top team, and um, so there are signs, and I, I there are signs that probably Frankfurt and Glasner will depart, and that reminds me a bit of. Um, and there we are with our old friend Jörg Schmatke, um, uh, who, who let um, Glasner go in, um, in Wolfsburg, although he was successful. 
And and he more or less said that uh, Glasner uh, went on his nerves. Um, and uh, one of the reasons is that he also there, <clears throat> he was complaining about the quality of the squad and he wanted to have a uh, more say in, in what kind of players are signed and, and, and so on. And um, I think... Um, so, so the the it's pretty mixed. Um, uh, he, he rightly complained about the complaint. He, uh, I think the outburst was justified, but um, there is also an, an element of um, maybe Glasner is having difficulties to find his role as a as a, a manager um, within the framework of a club. Uh, he was very successful with Lask in Austria from Linz. And he was the man there. And uh, probably he is still having this in mind, having uh, the control of everything, uh, every sporting aspect. I don't know. But um, so it's uh, Frankfurt is in a strange uh, situation right now. Yeah, but still with a chance, of course, uh, for qualifying. In Europe, if they win the cup, then they're in. In the league, it's going to be difficult. Five points off the Europa Conference place, which is uh, occupied by Leverkusen at the moment. Right. Um, TSG Hoffenheim, they look like they're out of the fight against relegation in the best possible sense. And maybe they're joined by our friends from Schalke, uh, Christoph. The Thomas Reis. Rebound continues. Uh, King Thomas the uh, first, close to getting crowned at the Royal Blues, the way things are going, because they won yet again. This time, three two at Mainz in a very hectic and exciting game, where they scored in the 12th minute of injury time, a. Controversial penalty from Marius Bülter, winning the game uh, 3-2 at Mainz. That was quite the performance, wasn't it? It was. Um, I mean, I couldn't be depressed more <laughs> as a Bochum supporter from what happened. But but um, it was very impressive how um, how Schalke played. I mean, you said it, the, the uh, penalty was controversial and... I don't know what what your opinion is. Um, so so if if you uh, listening to the expert here in Germany, for example, Manuel Grefe, uh, the ex Bundesliga referee, one of the most popular referees um, in recent years, he said um, from his perspective, it wasn't one. The expert as uh, Colinas Erben, they, it's uh, two guys who who run a Twitter account, um, were saying, yeah, it's it, it was a penalty. So even the experts are divided. Um, but uh, the interesting thing is um, that um, Schalke throughout the game were the better team, and uh, they were pushing. To, to win this uh, this game. And um, uh, I mean, uh, we, we talked about it, Mainz, extensively as being one of the best teams in the second half of the season, impressive performances, beating Bayern and so on and so on. So it's not easy uh, to overwhelm them 
and uh, I think they were overwhelmed and they were overwhelmed by uh, by Schalke playing well also overwhelmed by um, uh, by Schalke supporters that made the the game to a kind of home game for them as they also already did um, two weeks ago no it wasn't two weeks ago three weeks ago also in in um, in Hoffenheim and um, yeah I mean uh, Schalke still has a very difficult um, a schedule to come up, but um, at least they have created a uh, momentum. And uh, being the drama queen of German football, um, they did it in dramatic style. Uh, we, we talked about this uh, last-minute win against Werder Bremen a week before. Now it's a last-second win almost in, in Mainz. And... Yeah, um, they also have the luck on their side right now. So probably they will manage to um, avoid relegation. And that would be, um, honestly, maybe the achievement of the season. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It was uh, would be a, a tremendous success and uh, maybe make him the the coach of the season, um, especially if, if Bochum also stay up. Which would be a double, double success for for <laughs> Thomas Reis. Yeah, but my my reading of the situation is a bit different because <laughs> he 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 left uh, a Bochum with a single point after seven games. So uh, <laughs> so probably that point might be crucial. Uh, I have my doubts, but let's let's talk about Bochum's performance um, in in uh, Mönchengladbach. Uh, that was uh, um, simply poor, um, very disappointing. Uh, they lost 2-0 and uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach being Borussia Mönchengladbach, pretty average, um, but easily uh, won it. There was only one situation uh, shortly before halftime when Kevin Schlotterbeck was fouled in the, um, uh, in the penalty area and um, after he had... He had provided a cross, and um, and it was maybe it was the penalty for um, for the week before when um, Bochum didn't uh, concede a penalty after Adeyemi was fouled by Danilo Suarez. Uh, so that in reverse, um, also here the referee didn't check the situation, and maybe that would have helped Bochum, but um, they played a terrible first half. You could see that uh, two important players uh, were missing for them, especially Kevin Stöger, who is a kind of playmaker and maybe the most important player right now. And so um, um, they created not many chances, defended poorly again. Uh, my favorite player over the last year, Danilo Soares, he is the Brazilian Left back, he is totally out of form and and, and was uh, uh, again making a big mistake uh, uh, um, before the one nil by Jonas Hoffmann. So, yeah, right now the uh, I must confess uh, the um, situation for Bochum is pretty bleak um, because not not I mean not not point wise, but um, I think it's always important to. Um, to look at the performance, and as I said, it, it was poor, and um, and again at a 
a decent but not very impressive Borussia Mönchengladbach um, side. Um, their most emotional uh, uh, moment came when Lars Stindl came on, uh, one of the fan favorites of recent years. He scored the second goal. He was he was very happy because he was saying that he. We, we talked about if he will leave Borussia Mönchengladbach to the end of the season. After the end of the season, next season, he will play at his home team Karlsruhe in the second division. And he was saying that he is taking everything in very much right now, every situation, every day and, and scoring a goal for him and the supporters, I think, was a, uh, a nice emotional moment. Yeah, well, absolutely. And to finish things off, as far as emotional moments are concerned, perhaps none so bigger this weekend than the win from Hertha. Yes, Hertha winning a football game, breaking news. <laughs> uh, Paul Dardai uh, perhaps working his magic. 2-1 against Stuttgart, which was a, a, a big, big result because it suddenly makes Hertha seem a little bit alive. Three points now, only the gap. And perhaps more importantly, or just as important, was the fact that they played really well. Yes, it was mostly fighting. Yes, it was mostly running and very intense. But these were the sort of things that had been missing from Hertha for so long, and they were back. And a very close-fought game could have easily been a draw, maybe even a Stuttgart win. Hertha just kind of earned uh, a bit of good fortune for once. Uh, Kempf and Niederlechner with the goals, Kurasi with the one for Stuttgart and Hertha, who've been sort of the butt of a joke, really, for most of the season, finally look, with three weeks to go, like a side that can still stay up. Quite remarkable. Yeah, but they have have to win a lot. And um, Paul Dardai has, um, has started a kind of campaign like four games, four wins. That's a simple slogan. It's the same campaign that Eden Terzic has started. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and a lot of others, I guess. Um, so, but, but, but uh, yes, uh, uh, so first game, first win. So um, he is in line with this slogan. And, um, but let's see, um, they, they, they only have one home game against Bochum, uh, two away games. Um, so Huge game that, though. Yeah. Will you go? For sure. But there are other news coming um, uh, out of Berlin, and that's very bad news. Uh, Süddeutsche Zeitung is reporting um, about the struggle for Hertha to get the license. And, and maybe we have to explain the system here um, that, that we have in the Bundesliga and the second Bundesliga. We have a licensing system and... Um, The idea behind it is um, that every club has to prove before the start of the season uh, that the finances are okay, um, that he can, uh, that the club can finish the season. And here comes the doubts because, um, especially in the case if uh, Hertha is relegated, um, they um, um, 
the, the people who are controlling this, how can I say that, lack the fantasy that um, Hertha is able uh, to finance this because, especially in the second half of the season, they have to repay a bond um, that cost them 40 million uh, euro. And um, and so it's, it's still, it's not proven how they can repay it. Maybe they're uh, new uh, owner or partly owner, seven uh, um, seven capitals, uh, will provide the money, and there are also doubts um, that the contract between Hertha and and triple seven is maybe against the rules of fifty plus one because it gives them so much to say about the running of the club. So. Apart from the pitch, a very complicated uh, situ situation for for Hertha, and um, yeah, I mean uh, this whole story last winter and and so on uh, that created a total mess um, at at Hertha, and especially if they go down, um, I don't I I, I don't uh, think that um, uh, that they don't get a a license because that would be i mean uh, that would be i mean unimaginable um but but um maybe they get very very uh, tough restrictions on spending and then they are having a uh, probably a budget that's not bigger than the one of Kiel or um or Fürth or uh, Sandhausen and um but let's see. Um, at first, uh, they still have a chance, if a, a tiny chance, to uh, save themselves from relegation. Well, the unimaginable has been all too imaginable at Tata in recent years. Yeah, that's I would true, Christoph. But yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah let's, let's see how this one will, will play out. Well, we got uh, huge games again uh, next weekend. We'll be back with a look at those. But uh, Leverkusen, before that, as we said, traveled to Rome. I'll be there uh, reporting for Beer and Honey and we'll be doing <laughs> a little special for our members club. So if you're not a member and you want to listen to this and indeed other special episodes, then do take up this opportunity to become a member and even better, become an ultra because that mug looks very, very pretty. We saw one on social media just the other day. Uh, with a lovely hot beverage. Uh, it does make for a, a wonderful combination. Uh, the audio, uh, the tactile feeling of the mug and a hot beverage. Uh, what, what, what more do you need? Uh, not a lot, really. So do consider that if you can. We need your support, especially as far as next season is concerned. But until such time and until we're back with our special on Friday, have a wonderful week. Thank you very much. I was Rafael Honigstein. I was Christoph Biermann. And we say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Beer and Honey, the German football podcast.